0: I'm continuing with the series, What If? If This is a a message today or an idea that you probably aren't going to hear a whole lot because this isn't a very popular topic that we're going to talk about. And it, it basically has to do with God's faithfulness and my response to his faithfulness. And a lot of times what we like to believe, and rightfully so, we like to focus on God's mercy and his grace, and you should focus on his mercy and his grace. However, there's a time in life where you've rejected His mercy and His grace and you pay the price for that. And that's something we don't like to look at. The, the truth is, I don't know when that time comes for anybody. That's not my call, that's God's call. But, but what we need to understand is that God is patient, indeed, He is, but He isn't tolerant. See, he'll never say what you do is okay if it's not okay. So that's tolerance. But he's patient, hoping you understand what you need to do to change. The question I have, what if God decides to move on without us? What What if that happens in life? What if he looks at us and says, you know what? I've given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and you have not taken it. So... You know, regardless of dave wager 's response to god he 's going to be God, so he will be God with or without me, and there comes a time where if i 'm not listening to him, he says, "Fine, I guess i 'll go on being God without you and and that 's a penalty in my for me, not for God. God never gets penalized. I do. And it's really hard for us to talk about us because we really would like to believe God needs us. We live to try and make people need us, and that's a fallacy. He wants you. He doesn't need you. And that's really the joy of every human being is to be wanted by somebody, be wanted by God. That's the joy right there. It isn't you're needed by somebody because God has no needs. So anytime he includes you in his work, it's because he says, hey, I want to include you. I want you to enjoy what I'm enjoying. That's part of love let's take a look at um, what's said in the bible now this phrase is very interesting but concerning the day and the hour no one knows for as were the days of noah matthew 24 36 but concerning that day and hour no one knows the day and the hour where god says okay enough is enough let's go let's finish this thing nobody knows Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now when you look at the idea of Noah, it's it's fascinating. Uh, Noah listened to God, obviously, so God used Noah. Noah was in on God's plan. God didn't need Noah to do that, but God gave Noah the opportunity and he did. So Noah was in on it. Noah's family was in that. It took him 100 plus years to build this ark. During that time, no doubt, everybody knew why he was building the ark. So picture yourself as a worker during that time period or as somebody who was just watching Noah build this boat. So you're watching him. And for over 100 years, Noah's saying, hey, there's going to be a flood. And you're going, right, we've heard that. How long does it take for you to get used to an idea that somebody says but isn't happening? Yeah, right, right, right. It's going to happen. You, you know that one day the Bible teaches that Christ is going to return as he left. Right, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. No, really, that is what's going to happen one day. Do I know when? No, I I don't know when. But But if it happens, there's going to be a lot of people surprised when it happens, I mean. And if it happens, you're not gonna realize, I should have been ready for that moment. In a really weird way, it'd be like this. Let's say, you know, Aiden, if I came to Aiden, and I said, Aiden, tomorrow, tomorrow between, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, if you are over at the archery court or you're over at the stables, whatever, your future spouse will be there so you need to be there to meet her. But if you're not there, one hour is the window. So Aiden gets involved in a volleyball game. Yes, eh, I got volleyball. Finished, got, 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 my team counts on me, doesn't go. Goes late. Use your spouse, done. Comes to me, where, where is that person? Were you there? Well, no, I was late. That's your issue. I told you, one hour. Now, it's facetious, but what happens is he's the loser. His spouse, maybe. Loser, yes. You like when I call you a loser? Yeah. One one of those things you understand is that, okay, opportunity is what God gives us, but it doesn't mean that we will be able to take advantage of them because of our choices and the busyness of our life. These people, it goes on to say, For as were days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered there. These things were known as as banquet party things. So what was going on, people were focused on the moment, enjoying things now, but not paying attention. They were enjoying the stuff of life, the banquets, the weddings, they were enjoying that. It isn't condemning all that. It's just saying that's what they were doing. Their focus was there. So they missed the message of Noah. It's so easy for us to get focused on the moment. What's going on in the country, our future plans, our, you know. I've done several funerals and, and often I'm asked by family or somebody that knows the person well, what do you think they would tell us? I don't know what they would tell you. I I think, though, if they would tell you anything, it would be like when Jesus spoke about um, the parable of, of, you know, the, the rich man and Lazarus. Because he's the only one that really knows what eternity looks like. So I think he would tell you that what the rich man wanted to do was just go back to earth and tell his siblings that this was real. Why? Because they were involved in all that rich stuff. They were involved in being rich. They were involved in business. Now, once again, being involved in business and doing all that stuff is not considered evil. But having it distract from what's important is. Parents have that. Fathers have that challenge all the time. How busy are they going to be and not play with their children? What's really important in life? What is really important? It's probably more important to work less, make less, and go play catch with your kid in the backyard than it is to make more and have somebody else play catch with your kid in the backyard. See, it's those choices. It's not evil to have a business, and it's not evil to do things where you're successful in the world side. But it is to ignore the relationship with God, and there comes a point where you're really going to regret that. And you don't know when that is, and I don't know when that is. There have been too many of my close friends and too many in my family that have died very suddenly. And everything at that moment changes. Everything. There are no more opportunities. If you in your brain, if you in your mind have said, I really should someday I need to tell this person how important they are to me and you haven't done that I would do that right? you don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow it's not something you want to leave unsaid and when you do that when you don't do it it's left undone and really there's nothing more you can do about it there is nothing more at that point you can do about it and that's what we don't like to consider as believers we keep thinking there's always this mercy or grace down the road that, well, maybe you'll see him in eternity. In that case, you can talk to him again. But not on earth anymore. It's, it's very important that if you have something to talk to somebody you care about, you, you talk to them about it. See, in that day, they were busy. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, giving a marriage. Verse 39, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They seem to be unaware of the fact that there was a flood coming. Even though Noah was preaching that there was a flood coming, they were unaware of the fact that there was a flood coming. You ever think about how brilliant that is? There's a lot of people that are unaware that God said there's going to be an end to this physical life. And then when the end of the physical life comes... They're surprised even though they were told that's what's going to happen. they were unaware until the flood came. Verse 41, or 40, 40. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Very simple message. Look, you know what the truth is, so act like you know what the truth is and live like you know what the truth is. Why? Otherwise you're going to be very disappointed because there comes a time where your opportunities are done. And you might not hear that a lot because we don't want to stress the fact that that happens. We want to stress God's mercy, rightfully so. We want to talk about his grace, rightfully so. But there's this moment where you've ignored him long enough and there's really nothing you can do about it now. And some might say, I don't like that. It, it doesn't matter. Opportunities are going to end. Jeremiah 7, 19. And who, is, is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? This verse, when you look at it, basically God is saying, look, it, am I the one that they're hurting or destroying opportunities for? I'm not the one. God I'm going to be God regardless of what you do. I am going to be the one in charge of the universe and I am going to extend my mercy and grace. I am going to still be the one who makes the sun go up and down, regardless of what you do. So if you think you're hurting me, you're not. You're hurting you. It's, it's a real simple premise. Through the years, unfortunately, there's been people here at camp we've had to send home for various reasons. And almost all of them, if, if I get involved in it, and well, Dave made me go home. And I look at him, I didn't make you do anything. You didn't want to listen, so you chose to not be here. I mean, that's that's all. It's not me. You came here, you understood. Here's what we do. You don't want to do this. So my question is, why are you here in the first place? Go home. Because you're not doing what we're here to do. Go somewhere where they do what you do, whatever it is. Go there. I want to go somewhere where the world revolves around me. There is nowhere. But go find one if you can. But it's just not here. Now, again, it sounds so harsh. No, that's, that's what reality is. That, that's just right. And so what you want to continue to do is adjust to reality. Ignoring God is really the worst mistake a person can make. God's doing something right now, and he's going to do it with or without you. Jeremiah 7, 8 to 10, behold... You trust in deceptive words, to no avail. You will steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. God says, you know what? Here's what happens. You, you do things that are wrong, that you know are wrong, and then you go to church and sing praise songs. 16th verse. He's talking to Jeremiah now, the prophet. If you know the prophets would speak to the people, they tell truth to the people. This is one of the saddest verses in Scripture. Seventeen or Jeremiah 7.16. You know, if you ever take notes, a lot of times I switch those numbers, so if you ever can't find the verse I'm talking about, it's probably reversed. Um, so just go look at the other side of it. But this one is 7.16. I think I might have said 16.7, but it's 7.16. As for you, He's talking to Jeremiah. He's telling Jeremiah, "It would be as if God talking to any leader, but He's talking to Jeremiah this way." As for you, do not pray for this people. You believe God telling someone not to pray? Why? Can you imagine your pastor telling you, "Don't pray for them." Why? Do not pray for these people, or lift a cry or prayer for them, and do not intercede with me. That's pretty direct, right now. That's like, pfft. don't do it, Jeremiah. Don't bother. Why? Because I'm not going to hear you, Jeremiah. That's how it ends. Goes on a little later. For the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers. Com- Or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave this command to them obey my voice and I'll be your God. He's basically saying, You know what the people have done? They've replaced this relationship with me with all these sacrifices, rules. The command I gave them was to not abandon me, to love me, but they have. You know, if you want to live your life without God and then you run to God and ask him to bless you, I'm telling you, that's a wasted prayer. He's not going to bless something that is sinful and evil. That's not how he works. And that's the message here. Basically, the message to Jeremiah, these people have chosen not to listen to me. I understand your heart, Jeremiah, but you're asking me to do something I will not do. I will not be okay with them doing this. I will not make sure they are cared for. I will not. So your prayers are being wasted until they change their mind. Isaiah one fifteen. Isaiah the prophet gets a similar message from God in in the first chapter of the 15th verse. It says, when you spread your hands, when you pray to me, I will hide my eyes from you, God said to him. Wow. Even though you make many prayers, listen to what God says next. I will not listen. That's why it's not preached much. Why? Because it's really hard to grab. Because what we would like to do is say, no matter what happens, if I pray, you know, I'm very important in this process. Actually, God's very important in the process. And obedience is very important in the process. And prayer is very important in the process, but don't neglect obedience. If you're going to neglect obedience and you're going to pray, you're wasting your words until you realize who God is and you align your life with him. Now, I'm not saying that God wouldn't intervene at any given time. He has through history. Go read the whole Bible through and get it in context. There are many times people have been, you know, Saul became the apostle Paul. He was doing all kinds of stupid things. Peter, the night cries out. Okay, there's a path to repentance usually. Luke 12, 20. But God said to him, fool. Talking about the rich fool. Remember this guy who's so busy in his life building a business for himself. He he built so much. It's a, a man who... Luke twelve fifteen. He said to him, take care and on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plenty. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and you know, put the goods in there. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. That's it. Tonight you're done. All your plans are over. See, that's the message we don't want to hear. It's still there whether you want to hear it or not. There is still this life that you and I live is a finite life. There comes a time where it ends. There comes a time where we stand before God There is a right and wrong in this life. There is. If you want to ignore it, you may do that. But then don't ask God to bless it. If you don't want to ignore it, good for you. Come to God and ask how it's supposed to be. And he'll guide you. That's what it says. If you seek him, you find him. So if you want to know and you want to know God, look for him. When you do, you'll find him. When you find him, he'll guide you. Those are the principles. But if you ignore him... He's not going to guide you. Then don't blame him for what goes on in life. Because he didn't guide you there in the first place. Exodus 32, 26. Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And the sons of Levi gathered around him. Remember when Moses left, he went up the mountain and the people decided, He's been up there too long. We need a real God. So they made one out of gold. Golden calf. This made a lot of sense to everyone from the outside reading it. but they made one. Moses comes down and sees the people now worshiping a golden calf. Now remember, these are the people that God brought out of Egypt through all that stuff they've seen God. How in the world did they decide a golden calf was going to be their God? I mean, that's bizarre to us. but they did. I mean, God might ask us the same thing when he sees us. You lived in the United States of America. Do you know how many versions of the Bible you guys had? Yeah, but God, I, do you know? Because yeah, you might stand before him and say, God, I didn't know. And you got go, really, you didn't know? So you chose not to know, right? Because you could have listened to the Bible. You could have read the Bible. You could have had you know, the Bibles in Braille. You, you could have. There's no reason why you don't know me. Well, God, I was busy, you know, stuff. Oh, like the rich fool, like that guy? Oh, yeah, kind of like that guy. Oh, or the rich man with rich man and Lazarus, that guy? Oh, yeah, well, kind of like that guy. Oh. So why would you make a golden calf? Well, they did. But here's what stands out to me. It's like those people that did that. Moses comes down and he says, who's on... The Lord's side and the sons of Levi came over. He said, and thus says the Lord of Israel, put your sword on your side. Each of you go to and fro from the gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and companion and neighbor. I'm telling you, that's one of the most sobering verses in the Bible. He basically says, are you really on God's side? Yes, then go do this right now. Let's take care of this right now. Those people that denied him lost their opportunity from that day on. Who would have thought in that crowd, hey, we're just making a golden calf. We're just, we're just making a calf. No big deal. We're just going to... Everybody was doing it. Everybody was swept up in it. There's two sides on that verse that you've got to think about. One is the lost opportunity of the thousands that died that day. The second is the responsibility that the Levites took. And if you know what happened from that moment on, the Levites were the ones who represented God. Why? Because they obeyed. I'm telling you, I'm sure they had the same thoughts you do. That sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go. These were their neighbors and friends. I am sure they were conflicted in their brain over listening to God or not listening to God. I'm sure of it. But they listened to God. And in the end, they went on to be the Levitical tribe and the priesthood. And the others never got the opportunity. It's one of those things in life where you begin to realize that opportunities are not guaranteed. Book of Micah. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at a time because they have made their deeds evil. That's it. You chose to live apart from God. Then you play the game, the religious game, and come to him and ask him to bless you and help you in life. And God says, those two don't go together. If you really want me in your life, then act like you want me in your life. Not just religious act, really do it. I really don't want Linda to act like my wife. I want her to be my wife. And in being my wife, she will act like my wife. Does that make sense? It's not like just, here's the rules, here's how you act like a wife. Here's how you do it. That's not that's not it. But I would love for her to love me and be my wife and therefore act like it. Likewise myself. She's never given me a list. Here's what a faithful husband looks like. And a list, if you do those things, you're faithful. No, that's not what happened. However, I can tell you some things that faithfulness means. I, You know... How many adulterous affairs make it so that you're not faithful? Just one? Five? Ten? Any does. None are acceptable. So I can give you a list if you want it, but here's what I know for sure. If I really love Linda and I really want to be someone who has the blessings that God has for us in marriage... I'm going to act a certain way within the context of what God has said. When I do that, I can expect a certain result. Oh, you know, God doesn't say your life will be easy. He said you'll get persecuted. People hate you. I understand that. But that's because you're not a part of the world like we talked yesterday. There's, you understand you're part of it. God's kingdom. And if people aren't part of if you hear me speak, you realize if you're not part of God's kingdom then really you're the enemy. Satan knows that. So if I'm in God's kingdom and I'm talking about that, then I'm his enemy. And Satan knows that. So he doesn't make it light. However, God made us so we can go through that. Not only go through it, but we can be victorious in it. And as my old football coach used to say, on the day of victory, no fatigue is felt. When you win, you look back and you go, yeah. Yeah, all of the exercise, all of the the preparation, all of it was worth it. Look, Look what just happened. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks are rejoicing in the fact they're in the finals. Their star got hurt, couldn't play. They're so thrilled to be in it. And those guys just got tough the last two games to make it there. There was a tremendous satisfaction at the end that they made it. I mean, a tremendous satisfaction. But they were tired. They were exhausted, but totally satisfied. That's really what will happen if you live for the king. You'll be tired and exhausted one day, but totally satisfied. And the reason people are committing suicide or struggling with all kinds of other abnormalities as far as thinking is they're not satisfied. They're trying to find satisfaction in ways they can't be satisfied. Try this. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Doesn't work. Sorry. Well, why don't you try this then? Nope, that doesn't work either. Yeah, well, keep trying it if you'd like. It won't ever work. Yeah, but maybe if I had more. Maybe the rich man, more. Maybe if I had, no. go ahead. Try. I know this for sure. Somebody who's poor and sick, blame. If they love God and walk with him, their life is fruitful and they're satisfied far more than somebody who has a lot of wealth and lives in a mansion and does everything else. Satisfaction in life comes from loving God and listening to him. It doesn't come from ignoring God and manipulating him somehow. You can't manipulate God. Of all the people in the world you can't manipulate, well, he's not a people, but he's the one you can't manipulate. You can't manipulate me. My daughters do it well. But you can't manipulate God. Because he really does love you and knows you. You can manipulate me because I don't know what I'm saying half the time. So you can come at it at another angle. But God knows what you're coming at with. He knows. So you can't manipulate him. So here's what you need to do. It's really a simple solution. Get to know God and love him and listen to him. You'll be okay. And pray all you want. Because he's actually listening. (laughs) I mean, that's the fun part there. You're just listening to him and you come to him and you pray, his Holy Spirit guides you, okay, this is a good deal. However, the simple message today is, if you don't do that, you ignore him, you don't listen to him, why are you praying? You're not listening to him anyway. Why go to him at that point? Spend time getting to know him and decide to listen to him, you'll be all right. And I always, the answer in the Bible is always simpler than we make it we like to make it complicated that way we have reasons or excuses why we don't have to do it it's not that hard get to know god obey him you'll be fine ignore him you will not be fine you can go through these passages right there's a lot more in the bible that tells you about god's character but remember in our society where we worship tolerance god has never been tolerant he is patient which means he's watching you grow and develop and change so that's why you don't get struck with lightning bolts a lot, because he realizes you're going to change. But tolerant, the minute you come to God and say, I want you to accept my sin as normal, God will go, sorry, there's, there's the line right there, not doing it. Why? Because I didn't make you to live that way, you'll never be okay. So don't blame me for the disasters in life if you're not going to listen to me. Hope that makes sense. Father, again, thank you that we could meet this morning. Thank you for the freedom we have in our country to still do this kind of meeting. I pray again that your spirit work in each of the hearts of each of the staff members here. Keep them safe. Allow them a great day serving the people that are here serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.